Pretty awesome. You know, I know we've got some people here that need healing, and uh, we are going to be ministering to people here tonight and praying with them. Also, I've had some people come that uh, said that they've heard me talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they want to receive that. We're going to give you an opportunity to receive that. I would like to mention that tomorrow afternoon we're going to have the healing school here. Daniel will be teaching in the healing school. There will be praise and worship. There will be teaching. We'll have students here. And we're going to be praying with people, I think Gary said, for an hour or more. Two hours. So we're going to be ministering to you. If you need healing, I really encourage you to come and sit and soak. One of the reasons behind this healing school is to try and give people more time. You know, it's amazing that it takes you years and years and years to get sick and you come and just want to instantly be over it. And it's that simple with God, but there's so many things in us that hinder it. You need to sit and get into the presence of God through praise and worship. You need to hear the Word. And then sometimes it just takes a while to get a person to receive healing. You know, for a period of time when we were small and uh, in uh, Childress, Texas... We would pray with people, but we would minister to them, and I would pray with them until we saw the healing come. And we prayed with people for as much as four hours, but we saw every single person except one little girl that had a rash. And for whatever reason, we didn't see that rash instantly leave. But we saw blind eyes open. We saw burns healed, third-degree burns healed, people with asthma healed, people with broken bones. We'd cut off their cast. But it took time. It would take uh, four hours, I think, is the most that we ever spent. And most people just don't minister that way. It's kind of like they expect it to either instantly happen or it doesn't happen. But you can control healing. So anyway, I just say all of this to say that we will be praying with people here tonight, but I really encourage you to take advantage of the healing school uh, tomorrow afternoon just because of the atmosphere of the praise and worship, the teaching of the Word, and then being able to spend time to pray and take your authority. And these students that will be praying with you and ministering to you have been going through the school for the last six weeks. We've already had some good results. Uh, Cinda Campbell, I don't know if uh, uh, Gary or Cinda is here tonight, but Cinda Campbell, oh, here's Gary back here. Is Cinda here? But Cinda was our very first employee back in Pritchett, Colorado. Uh, that was, what, 30 years ago or more or something like that. And anyway, she was our very first employee, and she's gone different directions. But then Gary, her husband, got really fired up and came to school. Cinda came here with her, with him, and then she came down with cancer. Both her mother and father died of cancer. And so there was some emotional ties and uh, memories and things that she was dealing with, and we've been praying with her and talking to her, but it was through the healing school and through some of the ministry right here. She just got totally set free of that in the last week or so. All of her pain, her symptoms are gone. Praise God. So sometimes it just takes a little while. It doesn't take God a while, it's us. Amen. But... Uh, you know what? I encourage you to take advantage of that. It will be a great, great time. Let's turn over to Mark chapter 4. This is what I started ministering on this morning. And I want to continue. I know that some of you have heard this. Uh, I've heard this hundreds of times. I've ministered on it hundreds of times. And I tell you what, this still is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. This is how the kingdom works. Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you can't understand any of his parables. 
This is like a key. This is foundation. Actually, everything that you'll learn from the Lord will relate back to the very principles put down in this parable. This is how God's kingdom works. And if we could just understand the laws that govern how things work, man, it's amazing. You know, I believe that we've had tremendous breakthroughs. Like nearly every person in here has got a cell phone with you. Did you know 20 years ago, people wouldn't have believed that we could just be anywhere talking, that you'd be in a meeting like this and somebody's phone would ring. That didn't happen 20 years ago. I remember when I was a kid that you had to call up the uh, operator and ask to place a call and it would take an hour or two for them to get back with you and make a long distance call. You know, we have seen some awesome things happen and all we're doing is just learning the laws, how God created this natural realm. And I'm not going to get off the subject and talk. Let me just say that I believe that the Lord has shown me some things that, you know, all kinds of stuff is available that we don't know right now. And it's not because it can't happen. It's just because we don't understand how these things work. If the Lord tarries in another 50 years, people are going to look back at this day and talk about how primitive we were and how did these people get by with all the stuff that they did. And nothing's going to change. It's not like God creates something new. It's just that we don't understand how these things work. Well, did you know in a very real sense, there are all of these tremendous things that God has provided for us, but very few people have tapped into it because they don't understand how the kingdom works. And this is the parable that tells you how the word of God, how the kingdom of God works, and it's all based off of a seed, specifically verse 14 says the sower sows the word. This is talking about the word of God is like a seed. And everything grows out of the Word of God. If you have a problem in any area of your life, you've got a problem understanding the Word of God. That's a major statement. I didn't hear a single amen. But you know what? Whether you believe it or not, it's true. Most people don't believe that. They think, oh no, I, I know what the Word says. Well, we've heard somebody talk about it, but that doesn't mean that we have the real revelation and the understanding of it. If you aren't, let me just say it this way, if you uh, aren't getting the right fruit, then it's because you've planted a wrong seed. Every seed bears after its own kind. If you had a true revelation of the Word of God, then you would have everything that the Word of God promises. And yet the vast majority of people are struggling with things. They're struggling in the area of healing. And they say, well, I know that the Scripture says, by his stripes were healed. But there's so much more to it than that. People think that God, you've got to be holy and that you've got to have all of these things done right. They don't understand that it's by grace and not by your performance. And this condemnation and sense of guilt and unworthiness short circuits the power of God. There's a lot more to healing than just knowing that it is God's will to heal. There's all kinds of things. Faith works by love, Galatians 5, 6. And if you don't understand how much God loves you, then your faith is going to be weak. And a good conscience is necessary, it says over in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, that if you don't have a good conscience, your faith becomes shipwrecked. There's just a lot of things in the Word of God. And so a person who just has a very primitive understanding that God wants me healed, but you don't understand how the kingdom works, that's what's keeping you from being healed. If you've got a sickness problem, you've got a knowledge problem. If you've got a joy problem, you've got a knowledge problem. It's not that you don't have your circumstances better. 
Man, I've seen people that have been in terrible situations and yet rejoicing. It's not your circumstances that make you depressed. It's the fact that you don't understand the Word of God. You aren't meditating on the Word. Again, I use this this morning, but Isaiah 26, 3, the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. If you don't have perfect peace, your mind isn't stayed upon him. It's instead of being stayed on the Word of God and meditating in the Word day and night, you're doing something else. It doesn't have to be X-rated. It doesn't have to be demonic. Just be natural. Just be normal, and all you'll get is normal, natural results. You've got to meditate in the supernatural to get supernatural results. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. That's another key. I could teach on that for an hour, but it can't just be something that you've heard. You've got to speak it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. You've got to get to where you speak God's Word. And the things that you say are consistent with God's Word. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Then means when you have meditated on it day and night, when it's in your mouth. Then is when you make your way prosperous, and then is when you have good success. If you aren't prosperous, if you aren't having good success, somehow or another, you aren't meditating in the Word day and night. Satan is coming against it, and you are evaluating and hanging on to some thoughts and things that are contrary to God's Word. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Boy, that's about as simple as you can get it. Carnal mindedness equals death. Spiritual mindedness equals life and peace. What is it that you've got growing? Is it death or is it life and peace? Death doesn't only mean physical death. It doesn't have to mean sickness. Depression is death. Sorrow is death. Sickness, uh, poverty, anything that came as a result of sin is a form of death. If you are having all, any of these forms of death, there was something planted in you that produced that. You know, I don't have to be with you when you plant your garden to tell what you planted. All I got to do is go to your garden when something starts growing and I'll tell you what you planted by what's growing there. The only thing that grows is something that was planted. And you may not have planted it, but maybe you didn't protect your garden and you let other people get in. Maybe you let the wind blow some strange seeds in and some weeds and things like that. But I can guarantee you, if something is growing there, it was planted. That's the only way that it happens. If a person went out and said, man, I got corn growing and I planted peas. You may have thought you planted peas. But if you got corn, you planted corn. Everything produces after its own kind. And brothers and sisters, I know some of you this isn't comfortable, but I'm here to terrify you before I edify you. Amen. Sometimes you got to stir people up before you can help them. But I can promise you, if you've got something negative in your life, you either planted those seeds or allowed those seeds to be planted there. Nothing can happen to you without a seed being planted. Thank you for that one. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Most people don't believe this and they don't like it because you know what? It, it's, you're saying it's my fault. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's either, you maybe you didn't go out and intentionally plant bad seed, but you, through not understanding this principle, allowed other people to plant bad seed. And because of it, you've got wrong attitudes and things like this. And that's the only way that all this can happen. I believe one reason it took Adam 930 years to die is because he didn't know how to die. Nobody had ever died before, amen. He didn't know that there was a flu season. He didn't know that when you were over 30 that you were over the hills, that you were supposed to get black balloons when you were 40. He didn't know that you were supposed to start having arthritis and that your eyesight was to go back. He didn't know how to do these things. Some of you thought, well, that doesn't have anything to do with it. It does too. It does too. You get people around and you start telling them what to expect and tell them this, this, and this, and I guarantee you, you'll have all kinds of sickness and disease. We have been taught how to be sick. You know, I watch very little television. I watch more than I should, but I watch very little. And I tell you, even if you can find a decent show, the commercials will kill you. The commercials are terrible. The commercials talk sickness. I bet you that three-fourths of all commercials are either uh, sickness or cars, something like that. But it's just, it's terrible, the things that they talk about. You are, we have been taught how to be sick. We expect problems. That's much more important than what people realize. And so what I'm saying is, this parable is teaching one of the cardinal laws of Christianity. It's one of the cardinal laws in the universe. And that is that nothing happens without a seed, good or bad. If something bad is happening in your life, there were seeds planted that allowed that to happen. Satan cannot do anything to you without your consent and cooperation. It doesn't have to necessarily be, all right, I want to die. But you don't have to think, I want to be sick, but just let your thinking be sick and you will be susceptible to sickness. Just go around saying, well, Lord, I'm only human. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking of you. And you sing these sorry songs like that, and it's planting seeds in you that you're only human. Well, who do you think you are? Man, cancer, they say that it's incurable. That ought to scare you. Why? The Bible says that He heals us of all of our sicknesses and all of our diseases. Cancer isn't any harder than a cold. But most of us listen to all of this stuff in the world and because of it, we have fear associated with cancer that we don't have associated with the cold. And then we wonder, why is it so hard to be healed? Because you've been listening to all of this junk and listening to people say it's flu season. Have you got the flu yet? We're being systematically lied to. There are negative seeds being planted in us. Do any of you remember the H1N1 flu that was going to be pandemic and it was going to affect the entire world? The statistics show that there was less flu last year than in a typical year. It was a lie. It was a false alarm. Everybody talked about this and they instilled fear in people and put fear in people. And, and people think, well, it's just wisdom. We were just taking a precaution. No, you were just speaking death out of your mouth. And there's people that because of that, fear came in. And, and they say, well, it didn't hurt anything. Yeah, it did. You can't operate by fear and then just, you know, switch it off and say, well, nothing happened. This is one of my great gripes against the Y2K. 
deal. Now, some of you may not have been Christians back in 2000, and you might have missed this, but if you were a Christian, it was a big deal among Christians. Non-Christians, it wasn't even a factor. But the Christians made this a big deal. This was going to be the end of the tribulation, I mean, the beginning of the tribulation and all of these terrible things. They preached fear that you were going to run out of food. People were stockpiling food, buying weapons so that they could kill their neighbor in the name of the Lord and protect their family. And they were doing all of this stupid stuff. And people say, well, it was just a precaution. And, and when nothing happened on January the 1st, no harm was done. That's a lie. You can't live 18 months, two years operating in fear and panic and worry and then just on a certain day just turn it off and it has no damage. You planted seeds on the inside of you and you allowed worry and fear and things like this and thoughts of lack and inadequacy and all of this stuff and those things produce a crop. I'm trying to get across, brothers and sisters, many people just can't connect these dots, but I'm trying to help you that there's not a thing happening in your life that you didn't plant a seed or allow somebody to plant that seed on the inside of you. If you are a defeated person, it isn't your genes, it's not your chemistry, it's your thoughts. And it's because you've been listening to something other than the Word of God. Carnal mindedness equals death. Spiritual mindedness produces life and peace. And John 6, 61 says, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God's word is spiritual mindedness. Spiritual mindedness is, is dominating your thoughts according to the word of God. If you'll do that, all it produces is life and peace. So I don't have to go home with you. I don't have to hear your life story about how you grew up. All i got to do is look at you right now and what's growing in your life. What's the fruit that's in your life? And I can tell you what you've been doing. I can tell you what's happened because it doesn't come accidentally. Amen. Defeat doesn't jump on you like a cold. You don't catch it by walking by somebody else who had defeat. <laughs> you don't become... Uh, hurt and bitter and all of the things condemned accidentally. There are seeds that are planted that make those things happen in your life. Whether you understand this or not, every one of us operate in this principle. But if you don't understand it, it's going to work against you instead of for you. You know, one of the reasons I believe that the Lord chose a seed to illustrate how His kingdom works is because this is a natural law that he created. If he would have talked about like, uh, for instance, education, school is how the kingdom of God works. Well, see, that's not a real good comparison because you can cheat. You can look on the person's uh, test next to you and copy their answers. You can actually goof off in class and then the night before your exam, cram for your final. And you can store things in your short-term memory and pass a test and yet, a year down the road, you didn't learn a thing. It's not there. You beat the system. You manipulated the system. I bet you all of us in here at some time or another goofed off and then crammed for a test and you passed and you graduated. But right now, you would flunk that test because you did not learn that material. You just beat the system. But you know what? With a seed, you can't do that. 
You can't just sit there and take off during a time of seed and plowing your field and weeding it and fertilizing it and doing all of these kind of things. And then the night before harvest, go plant your seed and just put extra water to it and extra fertilizer and have it work. It doesn't work that way. There are laws that govern seed, time, and harvest. And if you don't observe them, it doesn't work. This system cannot be beat. You cannot cheat. And I believe that that's one of the reasons that God used the seed because this is how the kingdom of God works. The Word of God is a seed and you can't cheat. You have to plant it in your heart. It takes time. There is seed, time, and harvest. And it takes time in between when you plant it and when the fruit comes up. And again, this is where so many Christians are missing it. They'll hear somebody talk about prosperity and that God will give you a hundredfold return, which I believe, a hundred percent. And I do believe that if you sow, you're going to reap. And I believe in all of those things. But the Scripture teaches in due season you'll reap if you faint not. It teaches that there's time. And most people forget this. And so what they do, they wait until they're in a crisis situation. Your house is going to be repossessed on Monday and on Friday night you're going to sow a thousand dollars seed because you've got this need. That's not how the kingdom works. You you can't sow a thousand dollars seed and then get a hundred thousand dollars back on Monday. If that happens, it's not a blessing. It's not the Word of God working. That's an absolute miracle. And God can perform miracles. It is true that God does things in a miraculous way, but the mistake that the body of Christ has made is they think that that's the normal way God wants to do it. It's not. God wants to move in your life through these spiritual laws, taking the Word of God, planting it in your heart. But let me say this. The reason that there are, say for instance, people in the body of Christ that have the gift of miracles or the gifts of healing... The reason God gave those gifts is because what if the only way for you to be healed is to take the Word of God, God's Word is health unto all of your flesh, He sends His Word and heals them. And if the only way for you to get healed is to take the Scriptures, meditate in the Word, and then it becomes life to your flesh and health to those that find it. If that was the only way that you could receive healing, what would happen to the person that comes here tonight and it only has a day or two to live, and they've got a year's worth or two years' worth of renewing of their mind to do. That would just destine all of those people to death. And so, to help that situation, God has put certain people in the body of Christ that have supernatural anointings and gifts. And they flow in these gifts, and they can just touch a person, and instantly a miracle happens, and the person gets healed. And that does happen, and God does it to help us So that if we are in one of those crisis situations and we don't have time to let the Word of God work, He can help us and love us and and help us receive our healing or whatever. But the problem has been that this is basically the only way the body of Christ knows how to receive from God. They just go. They live in unbelief. They saturate themselves with unbelief. They talk unbelief. Somebody says, "What? how are you doing? Oh, I'm dying. The doctor says, I'm going to be dead in a month. And you speak death. You kill yourself with your tongue. You're hung by the tongue. And then you go to a meeting and let somebody wave their hand over you. And one out of a hundred will get healed. And everybody just shouts and praises God. And well, it's good for that one person. 
But you know what? God has a system here that if you would do it, it would work for 100% of the people 100% of the time. And miracles and these special gifts aren't meant to replace the Word of God. They are a supplement to help you while you are growing so that until you get mature, you can run to somebody else who has a gift and let them help you. But the problem has been that the body of Christ basically thinks that's the only way it can happen. So they come and they just wait on somebody to wave their hand over them and get healed miraculously. And some do, but very few that way. You know, I used to help out in Catherine Kuhlman's meetings and I ushered in, I don't know, three or four of them or something like that. And we would have hundreds of invalid people and there might be a dozen that were healed. And praise God for those dozen. That's awesome. But out of 200 people, a dozen or maybe 15 would be healed. That's not a very good percentage. And then Catherine Kuhlman on her own, she said that out of her experience, out of uh, all of the people who got healed in her meetings, 90 to 95% of them lost that healing within a year and were in this worse shape, or in back in the same shape or worse shape within a year. That's Catherine Kuhlman's own evaluation of her ministry. And the reason for that is, is because... It was never intended that the body of Christ live off of just a few anointed people. But God gave these people to help us because He loves you. And if you're in a crisis situation, then come to our healing school and let us teach you and pray with you and help you. Come up here tonight and let us help you. We'll be glad to do it, but it's wrong to live off of my revelation and off of my faith or off of somebody else's faith. God wants you to mature, and the way it works is by you taking this seed and putting it in your heart. I can promise you this, that if you aren't meditating in the Word of God day and night, you're meditating in something day and night. You cannot be awake and not think. Now, sometimes it looks like that that happens. (laughs) But the truth is, if you're awake, you're thinking. You're meditating on something. All meditation is, is just focusing on something. And if you aren't meditating in the Word of God, then you're going to be meditating in something else. And there is, there's virtually nothing outside of the Word of God that's going to minister life to you. You know, I, I like Wiley Coyote. I just had the Setterstroms bring me a Wiley Coyote deal from, uh, or was it the other ones? It was the McQueens. Anyway, from the people from someplace, just brought me a... Just brought me a Wiley e. Coyote um, Kleenex box with the Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote on it. I got all kinds of stuff because I like that cartoon. I really like Wiley e. Coyote. I mean, that guy gets blown up, smashed, crushed. Everything happens to him, and he's the eternal optimist. He's right up, and boom, he's at it again. I just like that attitude. I really like that. So. My kids bought me an eight-hour video or something of Wile E. Coyote. I got all these cartoons. I don't think that it's bad. Some people have come up and said it's violent and you shouldn't do stuff like that. Yeah, give me a break. I'm not going to argue with you. Whether you like it or not, I like Wile E. Coyote. I don't think it's bad. But if all I did was watch Wile E. Coyote... Eight hours a day. I don't think it's demonic. I don't think it's evil. I don't think it's bad, but it's not life. 
And if that's what I was meditating on, if that's what I filled myself with, and then somebody comes up here and they're dying, and they only have a short period of time, and I turn on to release what I'm full of, and out comes meep, meep. <laughs> You're going to die, amen? <laughs> it may not be sin, but it's not going to set anybody free. And this is where the vast majority of Christians are living. It's not that you're watching pornography and X-rated things. If you are, quit it. But with most Christians, it's not that you're bad. It's just that you're carnal. And yet carnal-mindedness equals death. Every time you sit there and just be carnal, you're sowing death. Every time you watch people and somebody's dying and, and they're just all showing compassion and and then they deal with it. And you know, you, you could say, well, that's just life. It's not born again life. They'll say that it's hopeless. There was nothing we could do. And every time you watch that, you are letting somebody sow a seed on the inside of you that this sickness, this disease is incurable. You've just embraced that. You've just accepted something less than what God's Word says. Amen or oh me. Every time you watch somebody cope with the problems in their life and they get mad and they yell and they do this and they do something stupid, you are just embracing that that's acceptable behavior. When it's not acceptable behavior. When you see husbands and wife get mad and do things and yell at each other, you've just accepted that. You're embracing it. I'm just trying to say that, brothers and sisters, whether you recognize it or not, this is one of the most powerful things that you can ever learn is that every bit of fruit growing in your life, emotionally, physically, financially, everything that is going in your life came because you let some seed, some thought be planted on the inside of you. Either you planted it there or you through not understanding these principles just allowed the sewage of the world to be dumped on the inside of you. And the things that are happening are because of the things, the values that you've embraced. It, the Christian life is as simple as Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. These are the verses that the Lord used and changed my life. And it says in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world. That word conform means poured into the mold. Don't be like this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The way you don't be conformed to this world is to be transformed. The word transformed, the Greek word is metamorpho. It's the word we get metamorphosis from. If you want to be changed like a little worm, a creepy, crawly, earthbound thing changes into a beautiful butterfly that can fly. If you want transformation like that, you do it by the renewing of your mind. And that is what the Word of God is all about. Instead of thinking the way this world thinks and getting the results that this world gets, start thinking according to the Word of God. And if all you do is think spiritually minded, all you'll get is life and peace. You can't get death from thinking spiritually minded. If you're experiencing death, you aren't spiritually minded. That's tight, but it's right. 
And again, people hate this because you say, it's my fault. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And they hate that because, well, you're making me feel bad. Man, it ought to bless you to find out that you're the problem instead of something else. Because, you know, if it's, the, if it's the color of your skin, you can't change the color of your skin. If it's your, well, I never had that much money. I never got an education. I, you can't change who you were born to. You can't change any of these things that we use for excuses. But if it's your fault because you've accepted a lie and you've let people tell you the wrong thing, you can change the way you think. Instead of being condemned, you ought to say, thank God that it's my fault. Because if it's my fault, I can change this. I can get over it. But if it's in my genes, I can't change that. If it's my government, I can't change the government. If it's the way everybody else treats me, I can't change that. It, but it's not how other people treat you. It's how you, what value you let them put on you. Amen? Amen. Nobody can make you depressed, discouraged, upset, hurt without your consent and cooperation. Amen. You have to sit there and accept that stuff. You know, I had a friend of mine that we were hiking up Pikes Peak and we've got a mutual friend, I use that term loosely, a mutual acquaintance, who likes us both and hates us both and criticizes us and, and says bad things about us. And um, we had talked about this before and discussed it, and I knew it was going on. Anyway, we were hiking up Pikes Peak, and he got to telling me the latest thing that this pastor had said about us. And he started telling me, and I said, you know, I don't want to hear it. I said, we've talked about this before. I know he doesn't like me, and I said, I just don't care to hear it. And so we walked a little, and he says, well, he was talking about you too. It wasn't just me. And he started in again. Here's what he said about you. And I said, I don't want to hear it. I said, don't talk to me about this stuff. So he got quiet for a while, and then he stopped, and he looked at me, and he says, why doesn't it bother you what he says about you? And I said, because I don't value his opinion the way you value his opinion. I said, you have to put value on his opinion to make it hurt. The only people that will ever let you down are the ones that you lean on. If somebody has said something that hurts you, well, sure, maybe they said something that was wrong, but you know what the real wrong is? The fact that you are codependent on their approval. The fact that you have to have their validation that Jesus and what he says about you isn't enough. That's what the real problem is. And so again, I'm saying that, you know, you can sit there and say, but no, it was this person that did this to me. It's the color of my skin. I didn't have this advantage. I didn't have the education. And you can blame this and this and this. And if you think that way, you are allowing death to be planted in you that is going to produce fruit, that's going to make you a victim, and you're going to blame somebody else the rest of your life. Or you can sit there and say, you know, maybe I had a disadvantage that somebody else didn't have, but praise God, I can do all things through Christ. Nobody can intimidate me unless I accept their evaluation of me. I do not have to accept what they say. You can let the Word of God show you, and you can be the person that God wants you to be. But you can't do it until you accept responsibility. As long as somebody else has made you the way you are, then you're going to be a victim. If you want to be a victor, you've got to accept responsibility and quit griping about the bad things that have happened to you. Amen or oh me. So, 
We hadn't got through this parable yet. <laughs> but I just, this is such a strong truth that I just am trying to emphasize it because people don't understand this. These are miracle seeds. And all you've got to do, if you've got a problem, if you came up to me tonight and said, man, I've got a financial problem. I've got a hundred seeds I could give you and say, take these, plant them in your heart. And if you don't let somebody talk you out of them, if you believe it, I guarantee you in a certain period of time, you will be prosperous beyond your wildest imagination. That's absolutely true. But the problem is it says over in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 that the word preached unto them did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You've got to put it in your heart and mix it with faith. And so it's not just magic. It's got, you've got to believe it. You've got to fight for it. And this is what this parable is all about. There are four different types of ground or four different hearts that the seed fell on but there was a warfare against this seed. It says here in uh, Mark chapter 4 and verse 15, And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their heart. You find out that Satan is against the word of God. You know, this is one of the truths that I got out of this parable that just changed my life. Because I used to take it personal when people got mad at me and said things about me and I... I got offended and hurt and stuff like this. And through this parable, I learned that it's Satan after the Word of God. In the next type of ground, we'll talk about this. It says afflictions and persecutions come for the Word's sake. And I begin to learn through this parable that really, the devil's not mad at me personally. He's scared of the Word. And he's coming at me with things trying to get me over here licking my wounds and thinking about what people have to say about me and back off of the Word of God. That's what he's trying to do. The whole warfare is against the Word of God. And when I began to see this, it helped me to quit taking criticisms and all of these things personally. And I began to realize that it's, you know, if you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that yelps the loudest is the one that got hit. And the people who persecute you the most and say all of these things, it's because, man, they're convicted and what they're trying to do is shut you up and get you over here to talking about, look what they're saying about me so that you'll quit preaching the Word. And so I learned through this that it's all about the Word. Satan is coming against the Word of God. I bet you that there's people who came to this meeting and you were excited. You felt like God wanted you to come. You came, but you had all kinds of stuff. Happen. I mean, the dog will bite you on the way out the door. Your dog will run away. Something will happen. I mean, I bet you that there's people right here in this room that all kinds of things ha happen. And you know what? It's not Satan personally against you. He doesn't want you to come and hear these truths and get hold of this truth and find out how the kingdom works and begin to start experiencing that. I can guarantee you there's a lot of people that meant to come here that didn't make it because something did happen and they weren't sharp enough to connect that this is the devil trying to get me off away from the Word of God. And they allowed something to derail them and keep them from being here and hearing the Word. Satan comes against the Word of God immediately to steal it away. You can just count on it. Satan is scared to death of the Word of God. The Word of God is what defeated him. And Satan is afraid. He knows the power of this word. He's seen this word. He's seen people that God spoke to them and they got a word and it changed the course of history. 
Satan believes in the power of the Word of God more than many Christians do. And he is going to fight you. He will try and come against you. And it's not always a frontal attack just coming and saying, this is a lie, that's not the truth, don't believe it. You know, another uh, tactic that works isn't to get you to discredit the Word at all, but just get to where you're occupied with something else. That's the third type of soil here that got carried away with the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things, and it just choked the Word. This is where most people are. It's not that they've rejected the Word and said, I don't believe that. It's just that they don't give any time to it. They spend ten times as much time listening to the commercials about sickness and disease and about all of this stuff. And then, and then they just spend, you know, five seconds as they walk out the door. They pull out one of those little things out of their daily loaf uh, scripture deals and read it. Oh, by his stripes we're healed. And that's going to counter ten hours worth of junk that you've been swallowing on television. And so you're fighting a headache and you're saying, in the name of Jesus I'm healed. And the next thought is... Bear would have had a higher level of pain relief than Jesus. Amen. If I'd have taken a Tylenol, I'll already been over this. And all of this junk you've been thinking on comes back, and it's more real to you than the Word of God. And you wonder, why am I struggling with getting over a headache? Satan comes against the Word of God. Everything that's going on in your life, Satan is trying to steal the truths of the Word of God from you. And if he can't do it by a frontal attack and get you to renounce the Word of God, then he'll just get you occupied with something else that'll choke the Word of God. It says over in Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, this is the same parable, but it's written in Matthew's Gospel. And over there in Matthew 13, 19, uh, can you put that up there? When anyone heareth the Word of the Kingdom and understandeth it not, notice that this is the only type of person that Satan could steal the Word from without any resistance is those that understood it not. Your understanding is the key to getting the Word below the ground so that the fowls of the air, Satan can't steal it. It's like, you know, you could put food in a person's mouth, but if they never swallow it, they can't digest it and use it. You've got to swallow it. The way you swallow the Word of God and get it on the inside of you is through your understanding. If you can't understand it, then Satan has complete access to steal the Word from you. And this is why I do everything I can to make the Word just as simple as possible. Because you've got to understand it. The religious system that I was raised in, they were uh, in Fort Worth or in Arlington, Texas. And in Fort Worth was the Baptist Theological Seminary. And we had the doctors from the seminary come and fill in in our pulpit. And they, were, they loved to use big words. If you really wanted to understand everything, you would have had to sat there with a dictionary in your lap and looked up these words. And they just thought, oh, this person is so deep. And that's just stupid is what that is. You need to communicate on a level that people can understand. If they don't understand it, then Satan steals it from them immediately. This is why we have children's church. You don't teach different things. You teach the same truths about the goodness of God. But a child may not understand my illustration of marriage. A child may not understand me talking about the stock market or about... Uh, you know, some kind of a sickness or what the latest thing is that I'm using as an illustration for adults. So what you do, you take the same truths, but you put it on a, on a third grade level or whatever it is, whoever you're teaching, and you present it in a way and use illustrations that they understand. 
You've got to minister to people in a way that they understand. And it's amazing to me how many people do not do that. You know, if I wasn't on Christian television, I'd never watch it. It's pretty pitiful. It is pitiful. But the little bit that I've watched, I've thought, what is the benefit? What This is just... It's emotion. It's weirdness. I watched a program. I won't tell you what network it was on, but I watched it for about 30 minutes thinking, surely it's going to get better. It's got to get better. And it was just, it was pitiful. And they were even talking about grace. They were saying, oh, it's the grace of God, which is a great statement. But they didn't give any explanation. They were just, it was all emotion and they were all sitting down at first. And then one guy, oh, the anointing is here. And he got up with the mic and started chanting and singing it. Oh, God, if we could have somebody on the organ. Somebody ran up to the organ and got to play in the organ. And then they all got to running and they were shaking and they were prophesying back and forth. And it was entertaining, I guess, like a three-ring circus. But there wasn't a thing of value said. There wasn't anything. Nobody would have got a revelation. Nobody got any understanding out of that. And there is a large segment of the body of Christ that they think, man, that was the anointing. That's just religion. It's religion. Thank you for that thunderous silence. It's just religion. There's a lot of people that they pass by my program and they think, well, he can't be anointed because I'm not spitting and screaming and saying glory to God. And because of that, and it's just religious. You know, over in Uganda, when we went over there, we started teaching and I've had bunches of those pastors come up. And I mean, I don't know if any of you have been to Uganda, but they are passionate, passionate. I mean, they are passionate people. They scream, they yell, they love God. There's been some good things happen. But I've had dozens of their pastors come and said, you know what, all I did, I just screamed, I yelled. I never said a thing. And now they've gotten hold of the Word. And now they've quit all of their shenanigans and all of their, uh, you know, entertainment stuff. And they're telling people the truth. It's the truth that's setting people free. And it's changing people's lives. We had one woman in uh, Kasasi. Is that where you... Where was it? The couple that's going to Kasasi. Right here. And uh, in Kasasi. And we were over there with Pastor Francis. And he did a discipleship evangelism group. And there was a woman named Grace. And this lady was such a legalist and stuff that she only ate two meals a week for over a year. She got down to virtually nothing. I think she said she was like 60, 70 pounds or something like that. The woman nearly died. And she was doing this trying to make God move and trying to earn the power of God. She had a church of 150 people or something and she was such a legalist that if you smoked a cigarette, you went to hell and she'd excommunicate them and kick them out of the church. And if you did anything wrong... And so her church went from 150 down to about 30 or 40. And then she came to these discipleship classes, started getting hold of the truth, and uh, it just set her free. She started eating again, got her weight back, 
went to all of the people that she had offended and condemned over all this legalistic stuff and apologized. People started coming back to her church and it grew back up to like 150 or something. And then a guy died in the church. They had a whole church get together. They were holding a wake. And so she was over there and the whole church was together. And while everybody was out here visiting and stuff, she snuck into the room where the guy was. And about 20 minutes later, the corpse came out. (laughs) He walked out. Two days, dead, rose from the dead. And now her church, last we heard, I don't know what it is, but it was over 1,000, 1,600 or something like that. And she's seeing people's lives change. And she's one of those saying, I never knew the gospel. She said, I was just, it was all emotion. I'd just get up and scream and yell. And that's what so much of stuff is. But if you don't understand, then Satan comes immediately and steals away the word. You know, we need people that preach and proclaim. And we need that. I'm not saying that everybody has to be a teacher. But teachers are the ones that explain. It's one thing to proclaim. It's God's will to heal you. That's a wonderful truth. But unless you explain to people, how is it that you get healed? Is it God's will to heal everyone? Well, then why isn't everyone healed? Unless you can explain things, Satan is going to steal that word from you. I tell you, we've got to teach, explain things to people, or as the Bible says, we've got to make disciples instead of just converts. We've got to get people who understand the Word of God, or Satan will steal the Word from you. And let me minister this second thing, and I'll quit. I know it took me a long time to get into this parable, but I enjoyed it. In verse uh, 16, it says, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. There is no difference between the first and the second type of person that heard the word. The first one had a hard heart. They didn't understand. They didn't apply themselves. They didn't meditate on it. They didn't let these truths become reality to them. So it just laid on the surface and Satan was able to come and just steal it away. The second type of person is a person that the Word did penetrate. It got down on the inside of them. They received it with gladness, but they didn't have any root in themselves. This is describing a person who recognizes the power of the Word and will give a little bit of effort to it, but doesn't give it the time and the effort for it to get rooted on the inside of them. And so the first time they get into a hard situation, the Word is going to be stolen from them. And I tell you, this is where I was when the Lord showed me this parable. I mentioned this this morning Uh, when I started talking about this. But Jamie and I were in a situation where we were strong in the Word after we'd go hear somebody, but we'd come back and it only lasted a short period of time. And because of the persecution and everybody criticizing us, we would get to feeling like, God, am I doing something right? And we'd get offended. And it doesn't say that you quit believing. It just means if you're offended. That means if you're hurt. If you're worried about what people are thinking about you, that stops the Word of God from working in your life. You can't be timid with the Word of God. You've got to be bold with the Word of God. You've got to be absolutely convinced by the Word of God. And if you get timid, doubtful, bashful, cautious about the Word of God, it won't work for you. 
And we, through persecution, would do that. And the Lord showed us this, and Jamie and I made a decision that, praise God, the Word of God is going to get rooted on the inside of us, and I'll never have to say God told, or this person said this. I'm going to be able to say God told me. Even if I hear another person say it, I'm going to meditate on it until it becomes mine and gets rooted on the inside of me. And boy, the Lord showed me so much. I'm talking as fast as I can. I can't say all of these things, but there's also a parable here in this same chapter, also over in Matthew chapter 13, about the mustard seed. And it says the mustard seed is the smallest seed of them all, but yet when it's sown, it becomes the greatest of all the herbs. And I was meditating on that my first week in Vietnam. And I was on bunker guard duty while everybody else was going through the gas chamber. And I was sitting there praying... And I was seeing this picture of this seed growing and producing this huge tree so that all of the fowls of the air come and sit in the branches of it. And I was saying, God, that's what I want to be. I want to grow and I want to be a spiritual person that I could give shade to other people that, you know, the fowls of the air could come land in my branches. And I was seeing all of this growth and I said, God, this is what I want. I want to grow. I want to be strong in you. And the Lord spoke to me and he says, if I was to let you grow and have that kind of an influence with the root system you've got, he says, the first bird to land on a branch would knock the whole thing over. He says, somebody could spit on you and the whole thing would fall over. And the Lord showed me, he says, you don't have any root. And I began to think back and you know, I grew up in Arlington, Texas and we had 23 pecan trees in our yard. And it was my job to pull up the pecan trees. You know, if they got down in the grass, you had to pull them up or they would grow into a tree. So as a typical kid, I didn't want to waste my time pulling up pecan trees, so I'd ignore them. I'd see them when I was out there in the yard, but, you know, my parents couldn't see them yet, and so I'd just kind of let them go. And I learned that if you let a pecan tree get to like four, five, six inches tall, there's three times as much root below the ground as there is growth above the ground. And if you let it grow until my parents could see it and say, Andy, you go out there and pull up that pecan tree, well, then I'd have to go dig it up by that time. If I wanted to pull it up, I'd have to get it when it was little tiny because there's three times as much root below the ground as there is growth above the ground. And this is the way it is in the Christian life. All of us want these outward manifestations. We want to see somebody healed or we want to have the power and the anointing of God on our life and we want all of these external things But nobody wants to spend time just in the presence of God, meditating on the Word and letting God speak to you. We want all of the visible stuff. We want to wait until the grandstands are full, and then we're going to believe God. But, you know, we don't want to sit there and miss as the stomach turns on the television to study or pray because, man, my favorite show's coming on. You've got to get rooted. You've got to let the Word take root on the inside of you, and that takes time. You can't do it with quality time. It has to be quantity, quality time. It takes time to get the Word of God rooted on the inside of you. It takes effort. You are going to have to nurture that seed. And you know, when you plant a little plant, it really isn't able to go through the winter or through a hurricane or through a flood or through a drought. So what you do, you sometimes plant things in a greenhouse and put them in a protective environment and let that thing get a root system established and then you go plant it outside after it's already got its roots established. 
Likewise, when you first get into the Word of God, you know you need an incubation period of time. You need a controlled situation where the Word of God can be nurtured and you don't have it attacked and come against with all of these other kind of things. In a sense, that's what our Bible college is doing. And it gives you a protected environment where you just have people around you that are all saying the same thing and preaching the Word of God. And it makes a huge, huge difference in your life. But you've got to get this Word rooted on the inside of you. And notice it says in the next verse, it says, and they have, in verse 17, they have not root in themselves and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the Word's sake, immediately they are offended. Satan comes against you with afflictions and persecutions for the Word's sake. If any of you have been taught that God is the one that puts afflictions and persecutions on you, that hardship makes you a better person, well, and if therefore you embrace it, then you are going to let Satan steal the Word from you. This makes it very clear that afflictions and persecution are another way of Satan coming against the Word of God, trying to get the Word out of your heart. Boy, that ought to end this discussion about is God the one that's the source of all of these problems. Your problems are coming to steal the Word of God from you. And afflictions and persecutions are the way that he does it. Satan comes against you and people criticize you and talk about you and the purpose of it is to get you off the track and over here arguing with people about are you right or are you wrong. That is unimportant. You know, Jamie and I, during this same period of time, the man who kind of got me started in the ministry, Joe Nay, he was holding a meeting, and I went to his meeting. And Joe called me out of all of the people. And this is right when we were just being criticized and told you're of the devil, and this is all wrong, and it was just, we were being bombarded from every side. And Joe called us out, and he said, I see you like a runner on a track. You're running this race, and says, you're leading the race. You're leading the pack. You're doing a good job. But the people in the grandstands are yelling at you and telling you that you're doing it all wrong. And I see you getting off of the track and going up into the grandstands and arguing with the spectators. And he says, even if you win the argument, you're going to lose the race. He says, stay on track. Stay on track. And man, I don't know if you got that, but I got that. That was what was happening. Satan was trying to get me to justify myself. You can ask uh, David. We've had people criticize us here and the staff has asked me about, do you want to do this to counter this blog and to deal with this and to do that? And I said, I don't want one resource of this ministry ever devoted to trying to defend myself. I'm going to stay on the track and do what God told me to do. And we are not going to spend money up in the grandstands arguing with the spectators because that would just, they would win. If I had to devote $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 a year to defending myself, then that's twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 that I couldn't devote to the gospel, preaching the gospel. Man, you've got to recognize Satan is just trying to steal the Word from you. Everything has to center around the Word of God. And you have to put a priority on this. If you take the Word of God, notice that there's going to be opposition come against it. It's not a easy thing, but it's a simple thing. It's as simple as take the Word of God, put it in your heart, believe it, and in time it will produce. It's an incorruptible seed. It'll never die. It always works. 
And the only thing that will stop it is if you get off track, if you let Satan steal it because you didn't understand it, because you got offended, somebody said something about you and you thought, man, this is too hard. But if you keep the Word of God in your heart, the Word of God will produce only life and peace. That's all it can produce. It doesn't produce anything else. It is literally that simple. You know, in our world today, people can't people just don't like this making guarantees and saying something is absolute. There's always exceptions, but I believe this is absolute. I don't believe that there's a single personality type, a single race, a single sex, a single anything that this doesn't work for. This works in any type of person, in any situation. There is nothing that this won't change. If your life isn't changed, you haven't taken the Word of God, planted it in your heart, or if you've started the process, you've got weary and quit and allowed it to stop working. You can't just plant a seed and then go dig it up the next day and see if it worked. You've got to leave it there and let it work. But there's no exceptions to this. Brothers and sisters, whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you need, anything, it all comes through the knowledge of Him. I used that verse this morning, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. And you take this knowledge and plant it on the inside of you, believe it, leave it there, and it will change your life. It's that simple. That's awesome. If people could understand this, if you really believed it, it would radically change your lifestyle. It would radically change what you do. And over a period of time, you would see just miraculous results. We see it in this school every single day. See the Word of God working and changing people's lives. You know, Jamie and I aren't the supreme example. I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And I'm seeing some awesome things. We're seeing millions of people's lives touched. We've got momentum going. We're seeing things happen. It's just awesome. And you know, at one time, Jamie and I had absolutely nothing. We were so poor, we couldn't pay attention. We were basically homeless. We didn't sleep out on the street. We went over to Jamie's parents and mooched off them and my mother for about a year. We were basically homeless. We've been as poor, as bad as anybody. We had nothing going for us. And now a lot of things are working. And million, We've got over uh, 3 billion people per day that can watch our program. They don't all watch it, but we cover one half of the world's population can get our program. We're seeing some awesome things happen. And nobody bankrolled me. Nobody, there wasn't anything. I, did, I don't know anybody. I haven't ridden on anybody's coattails. It's certainly not my uh, flamboyant personality that has got it done. You know what it is? I just took these words and meditated on it. And this truth has changed my life. And as I share with other people, it's changing their life. And everything that I can see or that we'll ever see is all come out of these seeds that are right here in this Bible. God may call you to do something different, but it's the exact same principle. I don't care what it is that you need. The seed that you need to sow to take you where you want to go is right here. 
All you got to do is study it, find it, let God speak that to you, meditate on it, and I guarantee you, over a period of time, it will bring it to pass, without exception. Isn't that awesome? And that's the reason that we have the Bible school, is because this is our number one way. There is no other way that we can get as much word into people, have as much interaction with you, sit there and watch how it's working, try and help you, take you on places where we make you have to do what the Word says, put you in situations where you are, have to yell help. Amen. It, it's awesome. This is what it's all about. It's a Bible college. And I tell you, it's changing people's lives. And um, this would just transform your life. But you're the one that has to open up your heart. The seed's an incorruptible seed. It's unto whomsoever will. You can receive this. But it takes effort on your part to put God's Word first. It takes a lot of effort. Amen. And I just encourage you to do it. It'll, it'll change your life. It'll be awesome. You know, let me say this. If there's anybody here who doesn't know Jesus personally, the most important thing that you can do is to be born again. You must be born again. If you take a seed and plant it on concrete, it'll never germinate. You've got to get it down in the soil of a heart, and you've got to have a new heart that is receptive to the Word of God. You need to be born again. If there's anybody here who's not born again, you must be born again. That's the very first step. And then, once you get born again, you must receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which includes many things, but it includes speaking in tongues. There's many gifts, but speaking in tongues is something that in the Bible, when people receive the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. And I tell you, my personal testimony is that speaking in tongues just changed me. I got born again when I was eight years old. But I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was 18. I was a Baptist and I was told that speaking in tongues was of the devil. And so I wouldn't allow myself to speak in tongues. But I did get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was changed. And it took me about three years to get over being a Baptist and get into understanding speaking in tongues. But boy, when I started speaking in tongues, it's like I flipped a switch and the power just escalated. Speaking in tongues is super, super important. I haven't got enough time to tell you how important it is, but I can promise you this, that you will never let the Word of God really take root in your heart and you'll never be able to stand against all the wiles of the devil just on your own. You need a supernatural power from God. And that's what happened. Jesus says that you receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I believe that the Holy Spirit is with you and working in you when you get born again, but there's a difference in having Him with you and having His power upon you through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I haven't got time to explain it any further, but I'm just saying it's my testimony. It's separate from salvation. It's a separate experience, and it's something that you can receive and it'll change your life. If there's anybody here tonight who doesn't have one or both of those, if you aren't born again, you need to be born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you've already been born again, you need to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. And if somebody says, well, I don't speak in tongues. I don't think you have to speak in tongues. I don't think you do either. You get to speak in tongues. It's a privilege. Somebody says, do you believe you have to have the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? No, I believe you can get there quicker without the Holy Spirit because you aren't going to have any power. And you'll die of something along the way. The devil will kill you. You can go to heaven without the Holy Spirit, but why would you want to? 
You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Is there anybody here that say, I need one or both of those? Anybody here? Is there anybody here that does not speak in tongues? If that's you, I'd like you to raise your hand. And we're going to pray with you. And we're going to believe God for a miracle for you. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's awesome. You know, if you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand and didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward and stand right here? And we're going to pray with you and help you to receive. Praise the Lord. Isn't this great? We are going to be praying for people to be healed, ministered to, whatever, here in a little bit. But I ask you to bear with us because this is important. You know, God wants us well. God wants us prosper. God wants a lot of things. But I tell you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Praise God for the Holy Spirit. Jesus said when He left, He says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, outside of Jesus, is the greatest gift God ever gave us. And the problem with so many people is that they're just trying to live the Christian life on their own. But the Holy Spirit is sent to empower you and give you an ability that's beyond yourself. This is just absolutely essential what we're doing. So I hope if you uh, need prayer or something that you'll just bear with us. Because these people, man, this is going to change your life. I believe you're going to be stronger than horseradish. It's going to make a big difference in your life. Amen. All right, before you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Scripture says you have to be born again first. Jesus is the giver. You have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. Is there anybody up here who's not absolutely sure whether or not Jesus is your personal Savior? This isn't about whether or not you're, you believe He existed. The Bible says that the devil believes that Jesus exists. Just believing that Jesus is the Son of God or calling Him the Savior doesn't mean that you're saved. You have to have a personal relationship. You have to commit your life to Him personally. Is there anybody here who's not absolutely certain about whether or not you've done that? If that's you, I need to pray with you first before you can receive the Holy Spirit. Anybody? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Well, let's pray and we'll make sure. Anybody else here want to be sure? Are you all sure? If you were to die right now, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? You just hope so or do you know so? I'm not trying to talk you out of it, but there's so many people today that they just are, well, I'm assuming I'm a fairly good person. Hell's going to be full of good people. It's not about you whether you're a good person. The scripture says if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And that's not just saying the word. That's mean you're making a commitment. You're turning your life over. Jesus is becoming your Lord. Anybody else here wants to do that? Make sure. Right here. Praise God. All right, I'm going to pray with the two of you. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. This isn't magic. It's not like if you just say it that automatically it works. The Bible says you have to believe it from your heart. But I'm going to say the words that you need to say. And if you'll say these words and believe it in your heart, then you'll be born again. Jesus himself will come live on the inside of you. Isn't that awesome? He's already forgiven your sins. 
That's really not an issue. It's just a matter of will you make Him your Lord? Will you receive Him? Y'all ready to do that? Let me ask everybody in here to pray with us so that they won't feel like we're listening to them. Amen. Say this. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive. That you now live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. Right now. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You believe that? Awesome. Welcome to the kingdom, brother. Welcome to the family. I believe you're born again. You believe that? Awesome. Now, according to the Bible, every person up here says that they've made Jesus their Lord. And according to the scripture, that means that the scripture says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The importance of that is that this is what God created you for. He wants to fill you with His power and with His Holy Spirit. So you don't have to wonder, will He do it? He made you for this. This is what it's all about. He wants you to have the Holy Spirit more than you want to have. I can promise you that. So we don't have to beg. Some people teach that if you have any sin in your life, that God won't fill a dirty vessel. I want you to know God hadn't got any other kind of vessel to fill. Amen. You don't have to be perfect. If you've got sin, that qualifies you. You need the Holy Spirit. So don't worry about whether or not you're pure or perfect. God wants to fill you with His power so that you can become holy, so that you can overcome these problems. So we aren't going to beg. We aren't going to plead. We're just going to open up our heart. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're going to open up the doors of this temple and welcome the Holy Spirit to come in. And then I'm going to ask some of our uh, students to come up here and lay hands on you. Have we got students to come up here? Let's have some of our students come up here and I'm going to have them stand behind you because the Bible says that when you lay hands on people, the Holy Spirit was released into them. So you can literally release the Holy Spirit into people. So we're, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and we're just going to open up our heart and welcome the Holy Spirit to come in. And then these people behind you are going to lay hands on you and release the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to quit asking there's a time to ask, but then there's a time to believe that God did what He promised He'd do. And I want you to quit asking and by faith say, Father, I believe you did it. And just start thanking Him that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And at that time, after they lay hands on you and stuff, I want you to raise your hands and start thanking Him like this. Because the Bible says that when you lift up your hands, this blesses God. God's pleased with this. It's like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you go, I surrender. It's your way of yielding. Oh God, I yield, I surrender. So we're going to pray for you. They're going to lay hands on you and release the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we are going to lift our hands and start thanking God. And then the rest of us are going to start speaking in tongues. Because the Bible says when you speak in tongues, you give thanks. Well, you're praising God in a heavenly language. And at that time, when we start speaking in tongues, I want you to quit thanking Him in English and start thanking Him in tongues. And start worshiping the Lord. And I know some of you are thinking, but I don't, how do you speak in tongues? What do you do? Uh, I've got a book I'm going to give all of you that will explain. And if you don't understand it, uh, this book will help you. 
But the number one thing that I've experienced people struggling over is that they think that the Holy Spirit is going to force you to speak in tongues. They think He's going to take your mouth and just take control of you and you can't control it and this just comes out of you. That's not how it is. The Bible says they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the inspiration, Acts 2, 4. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues, but He inspires you. It's like when I spoke tonight. I believe that God inspired what I said, but He didn't make me say it. If I would have just opened up my mouth and said, Oh God, talk through me, and then stick your tongue out and wait on God to make you talk, I'd have never said anything. I spoke, but I believe God inspired it. That's the reason it came out in Texan. That's the reason it came out with my sense of humor. It was me speaking, but it was God inspiring it. And it's not a perfect, it's not a perfect uh, speech through me. It, it'll reflect me. Well, likewise, the Holy Spirit doesn't force you to speak in tongues. You have to speak. You have to literally start making sounds and believe that God is inspiring it. And I can promise you, after you get over the strangeness of it and quit listening to yourself, you'll find out it just flows out of you and you'll find it's really not you. It's you speaking, but it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to do. And if you're ready, you can pray in tongues right now. If you aren't, you can take my book and answer your questions and you can speak in tongues by yourself. But if you're ready, you can pray in tongues right now. And I tell you, it's powerful because it bypasses your brain. You, you bypass the doubt and the unbelief of your brain and you're just praying from, to God totally out of your spirit and it releases power. The Bible says you're building up yourselves on your most holy faith when you pray in the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to do. Everybody ready? The Bible says believers will speak with new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. And I will speak in tongues. Father, we thank you for all of these. Thank you that they are born again. Thank you for these two that prayed just to make sure. And we believe that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we open up the doors of our temple and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come into our lives. Come fill us right now with your power. We want the anointing of the Holy Spirit to dominate and control our lives. And we open ourselves up to it and say, we need you, we want you, come and fill us now in Jesus' name. We lay hands on you in Jesus' name and say, receive the Holy Spirit. We loose this anointing of the Holy Spirit to flow into your life right now. Thank you, Jesus. There's people watching by the internet right now that you're praying with me and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is coming into your life right now. Right where you are. You can receive this. Father, we loose this power and we just thank you for it. Now I want you to lift your hands and go to thanking God that His Word's true and that He did what He said He would do. Father, we believe that you filled every one of these with your power. Thank you that we are God-possessed, that we have your anointing living on the inside of us. We just thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Now, those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's just begin to worship God and speak in tongues and glorify God. And as we speak in tongues... I want those of you down here, those of you at home that are receiving this, I want you to begin to start speaking right now. Just start speaking. If you don't know what to say, 
you can try and say what you hear the person behind you saying. But your tongue will be unique to you. It's not going to be the same as anybody else. And so when you try and say what they're saying and it comes out differently, just keep going. Just let the Holy Spirit speak through you. Right now, don't worry about what it sounds like. When a little baby starts talking, it doesn't sound like a language. But that parent knows what that baby's trying to say. That parent is thrilled because it knows. The parent knows what's being said. Your Heavenly Father knows that you're communicating with Him. And I guarantee you, power is coming out of you. Just speak right now. Don't worry about what it sounds like. You're talking to your father in a language that bypasses your brain. That's it, brother. Just speak. You may not know what's happening, but the Bible says you're building yourself up. It's powerful. Father, we receive this power now. Thank you, Jesus, for flowing through every one of these. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Boy, I think just about every one of these is speaking in tongues. Isn't this awesome? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me have your attention here for just a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But you know what? It's important that you understand, just like I was talking about. Some of you may have felt something. Sometimes people just get overwhelmed and they feel all kinds of things. When I received the Holy Spirit, I didn't feel anything. It comes differently to different people. But I can promise you that this is one of the most important decisions you've ever made in your life. This is the beginning of a brand new relationship with God. But you've got to understand it or Satan can steal away the benefits. You've got to know what's happening. So I've written a book. And in this book, I've written everything I know about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it took me three and a half years to speak in tongues because I was a Baptist. And I had so much stuff taught against it that I just couldn't do it at first. But I, I got all of my questions answered. I've written them in this book. And I'd like to give every one of you one of these books and let you read it. And uh, even if you didn't speak in tongues right now, I believe God gave you the Holy Spirit and you can speak in tongues when you get by yourself. And so it'll really, really help you. So um, this is Ashley right here, the one with his hand up in the red shirt. And if you would just go with him for a moment, he'll take you to one of these rooms here. We want to give every person a book. And if you have a question, they'll answer your questions. They'll help you anyway. But you've got to get the full benefit of what happened to you, okay? So thanks for coming. If you'll just follow Ashley for just a moment, we'll share that book with you. Man, let's praise God for these. Isn't this awesome? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Boy, we see a lot of people baptized in the Holy Spirit. A lot of people's lives changed. That's just awesome.
You know, if you would like prayer, I'd like to ask some of our students to come up here. And we're going to have students stand across the front. And we're going to pray with you, and we want to help minister to you. Again, I would like to encourage you to come tomorrow afternoon. Some people say, well, if I receive prayer tonight, would that be unbelief to come back tomorrow? It depends on what you believe. If you believe, well, I didn't get anything tonight, so I'll go back and try it again tomorrow, that would be unbelief, yes. But if you believe that God's power is in you, but sometimes, you know, it's like when Jesus cursed the fig tree. It takes 24 hours before anything visible happens. You know that God did it, but you're just going to have people agree with you and keep this power flowing so that all of the pain in your body or whatever it is, it is gone. If you do it with that attitude, not doubting that God did it, but just saying, I'm agreeing with you that we get manifestation right now. Well, then you can pray with people till you rub all the hair off the top of their head. Amen. That'll be fine. So let's have our prayer ministers come up here. Second year students. Let's have the second year students come up here. And uh, man, these people have been sitting under the word for two years. They're chomping at the bits to lay hands on you. Amen. Here's our sister from the UK. I met her over in the UK and she says, I'm coming to the US and she's here. Isn't that awesome? So if you would like prayer for anything, I'd like to ask you to come forward right now and let one of our Bible college students uh, pray with you. And we're going to believe God for a miracle. The rest of you, let's wait just a moment. Let people get up out of their seat and start coming forward. Then we'll release you. Do we have any um, refreshments or anything back here? We do? So I think in the CBC break room, they may have some refreshments, some drinks or something. And you're welcome to go back there and fellowship. What time do we start in the morning, Gary? Eight o'clock. So it's a reg. Breakfast is where? In the break room. And is this something that they have to sign up for? All right. It's a continental breakfast at seven. The meeting will start at eight o'clock, and we start on time. If you get here at eight o five, you're going to miss part of the service. So I encourage you to be on time. That's one of the things we teach you is that. The word ungodly means not like God. And God's always on time. So if you're late, you're ungodly. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. If you need prayer, just come forward. The rest of you, you're welcome to stay and pray with us. We're going to stay here and help these people receive from the Lord. If you need to go, God bless you. You're dismissed and we'll see you in the morning. Don't forget that we have materials over here. We've already got the services. I think we've had... Five services total. They're already duplicated on DVD and CD in this room behind you. And you can go get those and um, they'll be a blessing to you as well as all of the other materials. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just agree with all of these people and we thank you that by your stripes they have already been healed. Father, we believe that, that you've already purchased these healings, that you've placed this power on the inside of us. I thank you that every one of these students has the supernatural healing power of God living in them. And Father, we release this power right now with our words. 
We release this anointing to flow through them. And thank you, Father, that you are healing every single one. We command cancers to be gone out of people in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you that infections, diseases are gone, deafness, blindness, bad eyesight. Father, we release your power and just thank you for the supernatural healing power of Jesus flowing through everyone here in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. You know, again, I want to say to anybody watching by the Internet, I really believe that God was touching people. There are some of you that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and if you need healing, you can be healed right now. It doesn't matter where you are, what country you're in. The power of the Holy Spirit can heal you right now. I really believe that somebody's just being touched by the power of God. Sickness, pain is leaving you. Somebody's laying in bed watching this, and yet you, the reason you're laying in bed is because you hurt so bad. You got problems. Here's the healing power of God. You can get up and begin to move around right now. Here's the anointing of God flowing through you right now. Father, we release this through the internet to touch people, and I thank you that people are being set free all over the world. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just agree and we receive this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Here's deafness being healed. People's ears are opening up right now in Jesus' name. If you've had partial hearing loss right now, you just need to start praising God and receive this. This is me. My hearing is healed in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. That spirit of deafness is gone. Somebody's ear just popped and opened up. Here's your hearing coming back now in the name of the Lord Jesus. We command nerves to come back alive in Jesus' name and for those ears to hear. Thank you, Father. We agree and we receive this. Thank you, Father, for healing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I believe that the Lord is saying that there's some people here tonight that you've been saying that you know there's got to be something that you can do to see God's power manifest in your life. And I'm just saying by the Spirit of the Lord that God gave you a key tonight. All you got to do is just turn it, begin to start doing it. Take the Word of God, meditate in it day and night, and then you shall make your way prosperous. You shall have good success. I believe that God gave you your answer. There's some of you that you got what the whole conference was about here tonight. Just hearing about the Word of God. And I believe that God is going to just do awesome, awesome things in your life through that. Thank you, Father. Father, we agree and we receive it. Thank you, Father, for miracles. I ask you to speak to people if you want them to come to Karis Bible College that you would make it clear to them. Father, if you don't, I thank you that they won't just respond emotionally or to any of our urgings. We believe that we are your sheep, that we hear your voice. And then, Father, if you're dealing with people, I thank you for making it crystal clear to them. And then, Father, you would remove every obstacle and bring it to pass. Thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we agree and we receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, it looks like everybody that wants prayer is getting prayer. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? I like this. We can pray with a lot of people this way. Amen. You're dismissed. Remember, we'll be back in the morning at 7 for Continental Breakfast, 8 o'clock. The meetings will start. We have the healing school tomorrow afternoon. God bless you. See you tomorrow.